0: Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Severs, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 Bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue of Dearest Ones. Those are the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout the war. And this week we have a significant note because it's Veterans Day uh, 2021. For this special episode of Dearest Ones, it seems appropriate to begin with a letter that Stanley wrote to his family from Carlsbad Army Airfield in Carlsbad, New Mexico, about 10 days after he died arrived and the start of his training to become a bombardier navigator and an officer in the Army of the United States. Sunday, September 19, 1943. Dearest ones, it was swell hearing from you and to know you're well. I hope you didn't worry this past week because of not hearing from me. I should have told you not to expect to hear from me, but once a week. My schedule is so arranged that it's impossible to find time to write. Therefore, Sunday is the only day I'm free to write. This past week was plenty rugged, and I'm still trying to recuperate from it. Every day I had ten hours of school. That includes the night classes. It's a terrific grind, but, funny as it may sound, I don't mind it at all. The work is so extremely interesting that the time passes unnoticed. It was all navigation, which is all new and fascinating to me. It isn't terribly difficult to master so far, but there is just so much to learn. Each night I come back to the barracks with my head spinning. Yesterday, I had a four-hour exam which covered the entire week's work. I used to think a three-hour college exam was tough, but that one yesterday surely puts them in the shade. I don't think my brain has ever been so overworked. I was completely fatigued mentally. There will be an exam like that every Saturday you can easily see what a well-educated man I'll be. This next week, I start learning about the bombsite. This, with navigation mixed in, should be a Lulu. By the way, I'll have you know I'm now in the process of making history. I'm only the second class in the country to go through as a bombardier with a rating as a dead-reckoning navigator. And the first class will be commissioned only three weeks before us. We get everything a navigator learns except celestial navigation. The program is so new that it hasn't even been completed. You should see all the equipment I drew. Besides the navigator bombardier kits, I have a winter flying suit. It's one of those fleece lined affairs. Jacket, pants, helmet, and shoes. One of the fellows has a camera, and as soon as we can get hold of some film, we will take pictures. I also got a fitted parachute. Altogether, it must total well over a $1,000. Thanks for offering, but I don't need a thing. I'll be out of quarantine Wednesday, so we'll call the first chance I get. Don't expect to hear from me until I write again next Sunday. Keep well and write soon. Love to Ida. Love and kisses, Stan. Even as Stanley has a limitation of one letter a week because he's so busy, he continues to do a very good job of describing his work and what he's learning to his parents. He's certainly impressed with his flying kits and new clothes. And he wants to be clear that his folks know as he writes to them. It's a known fact a navigator is supposedly the brains of the crew. But believe me, a bombardier is no dummy. On September 26th of 1943, Stanley and his guys are introduced to the Norden bombsite, and their instructor calls it the Golden Goose. The bombsite had other names, including Blue Ox. In the New Yorker magazine of December 5, 1942, which included the second part of a profile on Glenn L. Martin, the man who built the Silver King's plane, the B-26, there was an ad for Boeing manufacturers who were the designers and builders of the Flying Fortress, the famed B-17. The ad begins with a picture of a bombardier carrying a very special and heavy bag. The title is Blue Ox, and it reads, He has sworn to protect its secret with his life. When it is not in his possession, it is under double-armed guard 24 hours a day. He alone carries it from the guardroom to the airplane, and when the mission has been completed, he carries it back to the guardroom. It is his responsibility. It is the Norden bomb site. He calls it the Blue Ox. The bombardier of a flying fortress is the man around whom The great airplane is designed. Back of him and his instrument stretched thousands of man-hours, miles of blueprints, tons of aluminum, barrels of midnight oil. An American bombardier, a Blue Ox, and a Boeing Flying Fortress are the most formidable bombing team in the world. One reason is the great stability of the flying fortress, which provides a perfect bombing platform for precision bombing. Another is the unequaled high-altitude performance, protective armament, and firepower, which enable the fortress to reach her objective in daylight despite flak or interceptors. Precision bombing first began to be effective when the fortresses bombed their objectives in Europe by daylight from great altitudes and with hitherto unheard-of accuracy. The brand-new military tactic owes much of its effectiveness to Boeing engineers who worked until they had designed an airplane with the speed range, stability, load, firepower, and altitude to do the job. The job still needs to be done, and the fortresses are doing it every day on major fighting fronts from Europe to the South Pacific. When the work of the fortresses is over, when the war is won and the days of peace return, Boeing engineers will find many potential uses for their skill and talents. Stanley's Blue Ox was the Golden Goose, and of course throughout his war and his writings, he could never describe or give any indication of the special nature of his equipment, and certainly not the Norden bombsite. In an early October letter to his family, he suggests that they buy a copy of Collier's Magazine, specifically the October 9, 1943 issue. During my research and writing for the Silver King's War series, I ordered a copy of the Collier's Magazine. In it, there is a column called The Wing Talk, and in this case written by a man named Robert McCormick. This is what he wrote. A new group of men known as Bombagators will graduate from the San Angelo Army Airfield Bombardier School on October 28th of 1943. A Bombagator is a coined word combining Bombardier and Navigator, a man who has both navigation and Bombardier training. A Bombagator can navigate a bomber by dead reckoning, which means by instruments alone. He is instructed in a blacked-out cabin and is so thoroughly trained that on long missions he can relieve the navigator, who always before has worked 12 to 14 hours without a break. When a Bombagator graduates, he will be able to direct a plane from San Angelo, Texas to Chicago and arrive within 20 miles of the city and within 10 minutes of predicted arrival time. He will be able to drop his bombs within a few feet of any objective in the city. The new course requires 18 weeks after a strenuous introduction to training at a pre-flight and is different from anything previously attempted. New teaching techniques merge bombardier and navigator training methods into one comprehensive course. Being interrelated, both subjects taught at the same time, but dead reckoning navigation taught at San Angelo Army Airfield is not to be confused with celestial navigation taught at Air Force navigation schools. The bombardier relies only on instruments. On a mission, the bombigator will be constantly busy. In addition to readying and dropping the bombs with the bombsite, he must take readings of all instruments and compute the plane's position at least once every five minutes. The course is so stiff that only those who are in top physical and mental condition survive the training. But when they do, they are masters of themselves, their instruments, the bomb sight their ship, and the bombs. You know, as faithful followers of our hero, the Silver King, that Stanley learned to master his universe, become a decorated bombardier, live through the war, and make it home. And we have reached the end of the epilogue, part nine, of dearest ones, the letters that Stanley wrote to his family throughout the war. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.